Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. And today I am joined by guest Kyle Miller. Kyle, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Jonathan. Could you give folks a little context about uh, who you are and what you do before we jump into the topic? Sure, sure. So I have been a professional developer for over 20 years now. Um, I've run my own companies for probably the last 15 or 16 of those 20 years. Um, worked as a professional consultant for a good portion of that. Uh, worked for all manner of businesses, large and small. Ran all kinds of teams and stuff. So um, just a really broad, um, you know, development kind of technical implementation uh, mm -hmm. experience. Great. Okay. And so before the show, we were talking a little bit about when you were first running, um, I think you would call it like a software firm or a dev shop or a consultancy. You were like, this is crazy. Like we're just this hours, hours, hours stuff's nuts. Is that right? It, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. I think I said those exact words and I heard you say them in a YouTube video. I'm like, man, that's <laughs> I speak in my language. <laughs> so how, how big was the firm at the time? Uh, we had, um, let's see, there was three of us founders. Uh, you know, we probably had like seven or eight guys uh, and then a couple support people. We were doing some kind of long-term projects and then, you know, a lot of little spikes and, and stuff like that. Mm. And <clears throat> do you remember what felt crazy about it? It was just never ending. And we just kept getting into these cycles where it was like, you know, we would never bill enough or never estimate enough. And then they'd be, we'd be billing hourly and it'd always be like you've talked about previously and other things I've heard is, you know, we would, we would estimate it and then we would always miss. Right. And then it's this constant, like, well, that's what you said the budget was going to be. So it was just always argument and crunch and it was just stressful and yeah, totally. not good for anybody. Right. And I was getting an ulcer. It was, it was bad news bears. So, okay. So, yeah. so what did you, at that point, uh, did you have, any trouble convincing your partners that you should shift to something else? Or did you start a new business? Like what happened? Oh next? yeah. I couldn't convince them. I, I had to say, F it, I'm done. I sold out of that business and um, started a new shop and said, I'm going to try some different things. We, we had some good ideas and, and honestly that company's still running. They're still doing good. We were profitable the whole time, just not as much as we should have been. Right. We were working too hard for the profit we were making in my yes. opinion. So um I said, Hey, I got to try some different stuff. This just doesn't work. And I was having kids and, and I just was working too much. So, mm. yeah. Okay. So when you, when you went and started the new one, was that one non hourly to begin with? Well, I, you know, the first thing right out of the gate, I said, I need to do something different right out of the gate. I'm just going to double my bill rate. Right. Just let's start there, see where that goes. But I knew that that was my goal was to get out of doing hourly billing. So my first project was just higher bill rate. And then, but I pretty quickly got into, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing this differently. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, what happens, what, what kind, well, at that point, what kind of work was it? Was it still coding or was it more consultative or combination? Um, no, it was, it was more, um, yeah, it was coding for sure. Like creating software products for, for customers, yeah. mm -hmm. a full, they'd come up. It was either, um, most of it wasn't just hourly, like contractor work. It was new projects, um, for startups or, or existing firms, but like a full greenfield kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And I, you know, just to tease the, uh, the dear listener, we're going to get to a point where you exit a SAS. So what was the, what, what was the next step in the journey to, toward that ultimate exit? Yeah. You know, it was rinse and repeat that for a little bit. Um, new project here, constantly kind of ref refining the process, my pitch, how I was selling it. Um, and, and working on this kind of ditching hourly, you know, 10 years ago before I, I knew about your program. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of more of that and keeping my eye out. So I like consulting work because you get to talk to customers. I, they bring me in, I get to learn about an industry. I don't know about, I pick things up quick. And I was, I was looking for 
the right industry with the right gap that I could do a SaaS. I knew I wanted to do it. I just didn't know what yet. Cool. So you're kind of getting paid to explore different industries looking for a gap. That's that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, cool. Yeah. And and eventually did that happen? Absolutely. Yeah. I got a phone call. Right. It was just a, a unknown number. I answer it. And uh, it's some some a guy. He's like, hey, I've heard about you from so-and-so. And I sold them a an assessment on the phone. So I like to, when I, when I talk to someone new, I do the, a lot of the why questions like you, Hey, I'm expensive. Why are you doing this? There's other ways to do this. Um, unlike you, I guess, I'm not sure how you actually, how you close those. But for me, I always am hesitant to work with new people. I'm, I, you know, uh, let's see, I can be an acquired taste and I know that <laughs> and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm opinionated and, and it's okay. Uh-huh. So I kind of demand that we do something small first. It, it, like you know, and, and probably a lot of your listeners, it gets you through the billing cycle. So I know they can pay me. I know they have money. I'm, you know, I'm through AP and stuff. That's good. Uh, if somebody's not willing to spend a couple thousand dollars, then they're probably not the right customer long-term. Right? They're, they're short on vision. They're just trying to get the lowest price. And so, so I sold them on an assessment. Hey, you pay teeny. Uh, at that point it was 1500 bucks, you know, should have been more, but I kind of wanted to talk to them. So I, I gave them something that I knew they'd take, uh, fly up there the next week and, yeah. So I, uh, that's, that's the beginning of it. Okay. So you, you closed that, you did the assessment. What came out of that? So that came out, um, it was an industry. I know I knew other companies in that industry. I'm like, this is, this is it. This is the thing I'm going to do. And the, the industry, the software in that industry is, is aged a lot of it. I mean, so we're talking, this was 20, probably 13. And a lot of that software in that industry was written, uh, before I graduated high school, graduated high school like right. in the mid nineties. Right. So, this stuff is old. I'm like, and, and iPhones have come out, apps were coming a big thing. I'm like, oh, we can really, I can one up this a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you're basically like, I can disrupt the software in this space. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to really mess these guys up. So that was, <laughs> it was, it was prime. It was like prime. Like they, no one had really started embracing the phones yet, but I could see it coming. Um, and the people I was working with, they were, had good vision, right? They were the right customer. It worked out well. It was a good customer. It was a good idea. It was the right time, right industry. So um, those are hard to find, but it, it was, it looked promising. Mm, okay. So what happened next? Did you sell them like a custom build or did you say, Hey, what? let's talk about partnering on this. I want to write something. You can be the first customer for it and you'll fund the development of the initial thing. Like how, how did the deal go down? Well, they, I sold it as a consulting thing. Hey, you own it. You pay for all the development. I went high. I went real high, higher than. So they were very good. They showed me their books. I knew, I knew that this was too high on purpose. I wanted to see where it was going to go from there and see what they were willing to do. And so I pitched it. They're like, "Oh, we want you to do it. That's this. Everything you wrote out seems great. Like that would fit perfect. We just can't pay that." Mm-hmm. And so then I said, "Well, let's explore some other options." And that's where I said, "How about I own it? You pay me up front for the development of it." a portion of this, you know, not all of what I just said, but like a portion of that, I'll get that up front and you'll get the best deal of your life. You'll never pay. You'll just basically pay server hosting costs. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And they said, yes, they said, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yes. Cut me a check and, uh, you know, off to the races. So, okay. So this is, this is, you know, how many years ago, eight years ago now. So maybe... yeah, this was 2013, probably, you know, probably early 2013 when I got the check. Yeah. Okay. And did you, did you have any, I'm just I'm gonna like proxy for the audience because I know what yeah. they're asking. Yeah, yeah. They are wondering, uh, wasn't the customer concerned that you would then just go sell this same software to all their competitors? 
Oh, I told them that right up. I said, I'm going to own this. I'm going to make all the decisions. I'm yeah. going to sell to everyone in the industry, but you're going to get a great deal. And I said, listen, this software is not your secret sauce. This software is stuff that everyone has to have. They're all going to have, they all have it now. You're just going to have a better version of it and you're going to be ahead of the game. But yes, I'm going to sell to everyone. And, and you know, it was such a good deal for them and it was going to leapfrog them and make, so I've added a lot of automation to it and everything. It really, they were able to grow their business with really not hiring many more people right mm. over the years. So it was it was a great deal for them. Um, but yeah, it was a little scary, but I just, you know, it's, they yeah, were pretty the forced out. They knew that they needed it and they knew that that was the only way it was going to happen. So. Okay. And so at, at the time when you got that check, how long did you, would you have guessed the development would take to get to like an MVP? Oh yeah. Three months. And oh, it that's took not like bad. About a year. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, but it took a year. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, because now, so, and when I did this, I, I did not envision I was going to do this as a lifestyle business. I was not going to sell it. I was going to do it as a SaaS, but it was going to be a side gig that I figured, hey, I'll get two or three, because I knew other companies in this industry. I'll get two or three other people to to sign up. I'll get a good you know monthly revenue. And I won't really have to do that much work once I get it launched. So so I was doing it on the side. It was, And I told them that like, this isn't my day job right now. You didn't give me enough money to, to stop everything. So I was still doing client work, um, did that on the side. So, and you know how it goes. It just everything yeah leads on um, right 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 so yeah i, no, I knew you're gonna say it took longer than you thought i was just curious what the scale yeah. was but yeah, even yeah. a year is not that bad no it, you know because then it, it that's lumping in the the mobile app and then you know i was gonna try to do originally i was gonna try to do a single app that was like multi-platform which is always terrible so i said screw that we're going <laughs> an actual ios app an actual android app which you know and just double the work double the code and all that mm -hmm. stuff so mm -hmm. yeah yeah Okay, and can you can you give just to give folks an idea like how did you um, once you got it launched? Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping ahead. I don't want to jump ahead, so I'll, we'll get there. But the so my next question is: uh, at the end of the year, you launched and they started using it, and and were they happy? Like, what was the reaction at that point? Oh, they 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 were happy, but you know the MVP was not everything they needed to truly run their business, right? So it was there was a lot of additions that were going to go into it. This was basically bare bones, get it up, get it working, the good enough line. And uh, knowing that I was going to have to add quite a bit to it. So, okay. And yeah. was their deal that they would in perpetuity not have to pay for it as a SaaS? They would just, or they fund the development. And then once it launched, then they'd switch over to like a monthly. They were not going to pay for it as a SaaS long-term, but they did kick in some more money for some, some of the features and the add-on features. Not a whole lot. Um, that was, I was, I took longer than I wanted to originally. So I kind of cut a deal with them. I'm like, Hey, I took longer, but this is, we got to get this done. So we kind of split the difference on that. They gave me a little bit more yeah. enough that I was happy. And, um, we went on. Yeah. Okay. And you're also doing other gigs along the way here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, right. I'm, I'm doing client stuff and yeah. So this is okay. just a piece of the pie. So busy year, busy year. Yep. Yep. Was it crazy or just kind of busy? Oh no. Crazy busy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy busy. Okay. So then I like so, staying busy. I, I <laughs> idle hands, you know, that's bad. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So at the end of the year you launch, what happens next? Um, I mean, they use it. I'm adding features. It's honestly, it's quiet for a while. Um, I Were you doing any marketing zero, the year? zero marketing. I, I mean, the first couple of years I did zero marketing, but then all of a sudden I started getting some calls because they were some of their, some of the people they worked in, in that industry. There was a um, you would kind of subcontract for other people. So there was kind of a natural viralness to it. So some other companies had to use that software to help them. And they're like, Hey, that's pretty nice. And they kind of talking and with some, you know, just referral, 
I, uh, I think the kind of the end of that first year after it launched, I had two or three customers and then, you know, the next year doubled that maybe even a little more. And so it kind of slowly grew and then, then it took off. Right. Okay. So, so it slowly grew for two or three years, you'd say just word of mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And now here's the question I was. Holding and so at that point, on. see that point I was doing it. I was not running it as a true SaaS. I was, um, this was before Stripe didn't have its subscription stuff in there yet. And so I was kind of billing quarterly and I was sending invoices, you know, there's only about 15 customers. So it was, it was right on the, right on the verge of being a pain, um, <laughs> but I was still doing it, but it was profitable enough that I was like, fine, it's, it's okay. Right. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, can you give us an idea ballpark wise before it took off? Cause I want people to, I want people to have realistic expectations. Like if, if they were going to try something like this. So like roughly, can you give people a rough idea of how much per customer they were paying quarterly? You know, like- um, you know, so it was a, it's a business app. So they were doing at that point, I would, it's probably nine to 12,000 a year per customer. Okay. So, uh, you know, you're paying your mortgage. I hadn't quit my day job yet. No, no, this oh. was still, yeah, yeah. I was, that's right about the time when it got, I was like, okay, I'm basically doing two full-time jobs. I gotta, I gotta yeah. cut something. And yeah. It was, it was, do I lean into this or do I sell it off or just like stay here? You know, I had to, I had that kind of inflection point where it was kind of okay. Okay. lean yeah, into yeah. it or don't. And how'd you make that decision? Did you talk to people? Well, so I'm fortunate. I have a wife who makes, she has a good living, right? She makes a very stable job, good, good insurance, really good salary. So it was like, you know what, you're kind of keeping us, you've got all the the regular stuff. I, I'm going to swing for the fences. Right. And you know, you build wealth with equity. I'm like, I can, I had other guys I had. So that was at that inflection point, it was interesting because I had a few other people that had their own software companies and they're like, come be my CTO. And, and it was like, and I was going to get some equity and I could have done those things, but I owned a hundred percent of this. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I had made, I had done too good at that point. I'm like, I, I've got to, if I don't do this, I will be mad at myself for not going for it. Even mm-hmm. if it fails, I got to just do it. Yeah. So, and you had a safety net. So yeah, exactly. Like, you know, worst case, I mean, I'm, I'm a high, I'm a high output tech guy. I could, I can get a job, no problems, contractor all day. So I wasn't worried about that. I'm like, wife's got a good job. If this fails, I was going to be a CTO somewhere. No big deal. Right. So yeah. yeah and so, like, I and you had no employees, right? Um, I don't know. I, no employees. I have kind of a, a cadre of consultants that I use. So I'm kind of, I like the special forces model where it's a few guys that are really, really good, kind of knock it out. And um, so I was doing support and I'd have them help do some features every few months. Mm-hmm. They're so, I can't hire them. They're busy doing their own thing and they don't want to be employees. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of the trade off with that. But yep. so I was running lean and, um, yep. you know. Yeah. Okay, cool. And, you know, 15, 15 customers at roughly, you know, almost 10 grand. Um, yeah, some were less, but I would say that, you know, the average, let's call the average eight grand probably is more accurate. Some were in the 12, there was so, a six and a five probably. Yeah. So you're like cracking six figures, barely. Barely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then, you know, you're like, and then you got taxes and expenses and Amazon servers. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was a little dicey. I'm like, oh, you know, I figured, but if I leave, but I had really done again, no marketing, not really pushed hard, not made any outbound phone calls. These were all just things yeah. that fell into my net. So I'm like, mm-hmm. if I lean into it start making calls and really start trying to sell it and demo it. I think I can, I think I can do this. So. Okay. And so it's B2B. Can you say roughly what industry it was in? Um, It's in transportation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, wow. Okay. So you decide to lean in, you're like, I'm going to go for it. A hundred percent equity. That's where wealth comes from. Totally agree. Uh, so then what did you do next? 
you know, then it was just a hustle, right? Just learning, doing some marketing. Hope that didn't work. In my industry, unfortunately, email, no one reads email. Everyone in, my, in this, in that industry is, they want to talk on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. They've done it for 30 years. That's how they yep. do stuff. So, yep. you know, I, I tried email reach, outreach and stuff, and it was just, it was crickets, you know? Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this the hard way, man. Cold calling and started going to some conferences and uh, just pushing hard and when you say going to conferences, you like trade shows and like had a booth? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Industry shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's not- trade. They weren't trade, so, trade shows so much as uh, it was literally conferences where I would go. I was going to a conference where they were learning about things inside the industry. They had some booths set up, you know, so there was a little bit of time for interaction with vendors. And I, I was doing that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's not cheap. Kind of half trade show, half conference kind of thing. Right, 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 right. So that's that's a risk as well. So you're investing. Oh probably... no, that costs fifteen hundred bucks a ticket, right? And yeah. then you got to get a get got to get banners and fly mm-hmm. out there, and yeah, it was not free for sure. Mm-hmm. And are you and you stopped doing client work for this time period? Or... Yeah, yeah. At that point, I leaned into it. Once I cracked a hundred, I was like, I'm doing this. This is I've got to okay. see how this goes full time. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're investing in outreach. You're going to trade show, or trade shows and conferences and industry events. Um, at what point did you did that start to get traction? Obviously, it did. Um, yeah, probably that next year. You know, so you're probably I'm probably year. This is probably calendar year three and a half, something like that. You know, mm-hmm. beginning of the fourth year, it really started to pick up. Um, and what did just, that look like? Just more, more people just like, yeah, what, what was your process? So like, say someone discovers you at a booth or whatever, like did, did you, was it free demo? Was it like a walkthrough? What was the, I would do, yeah, I would do a demo of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have like a free, there was no free to buy. I don't like free, free users. They're not yeah, like premium. I have a whole thing with that, but, <laughs> um, so I would give them a 30 minute demo, talk to them, try to close them. Um, at that point I had refined it to where I was doing, I was taking credit card with Stripe, you know, MRR, stuff like that. No, um, the thing that's interesting about this industry is like I told you before, there's, there were, the reason I was going to do this as a lifestyle business was because some of these people had had software for 20, 12, 15, 20 years at this point, use the same software, never left. So I knew that once I got my hooks in them, they're going to stay for a while. So the yeah. long-term value of these clients was good. They don't like technology. If they got something that works, change the change cost is high. And so, because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of integrations to other vendors, and and those things take three to six months to set up. And once you get those, I mean, you're not changing that unless who would do that? Really would bad. they do it, or is that something you would assist? That with? was something I was doing, and so that was part of my thing. That you know, when you're going against entrenched vendors, I had to have software that was way better and cost less because the change cost was so high. So high. I had to be compelling enough to get them to switch. Yep. So. And it's did tough. you have like a, did you have uh, sort of like a setup fee and then they would pay monthly or was that you just, you like- know, initially I did that and then I switched to just straight, Hey, it's this much and we'll get you set up. Um, and then each integration I, I would charge like 500 a month or a hundred a month, depending on how complicated, like there was kind of tiers. If it's in one of these, it's 500 a month. If it's one of these, it's a hundred a month. Um, no setup fee, just a hundred a month forever. Yeah. So. And then you do this sort of like white glove Yep. Integration, all concierge, then, kind of concierge setup. Yeah. Yes. Again, these they they were very not technical, and they were using highly technical software to do all these crazy integrations. So it just didn't make sense having them involved. I could do it quicker, better, faster with my own employees. So. Yeah. Oh, so did you have employees at this point? Well, I mean, employees. Again, I have um, I have some support staff, and then um, on the technical side, I still manage that. I was doing most of the development still, 
they and then I would I made it, you know, when you're running a lean shop like that, I focused on no bugs, right? Mm-hmm. And making things self-service. So what I can make self-service was or it was self-service for my internal staff to do easily. So Yeah, good. Um, yeah. All right. And then what did it did you find uh, since you were dealing with such a specific industry, did you find that the integrations got easier over time because they were all using similar stuff? Oh, no, they all use different stuff. They were similar, but they are subtly different. But I was able to get some economies of scale and, you know, kind of reuse a lot of, of the pieces. So mm. I would say, yeah, I mean, I got better. I got better at integrating them. I got better at, honestly, the hardest part was navigating the business side of it. You know, once you get in some of those bigger shops, you could get kind of lost if you didn't push. You know, you can't push too hard because if you make them mad, they won't talk to you. But you got to. So some of it was just the navigation of that versus. Right. Um, yeah. Like how, like how big are these companies like in terms of maybe employee count? My customers will be from employee count is fairly low, um, but they their revenue would range from 10 million to a couple hundred million. OK. Um, so decent sized companies. All right. And, and some uh, in some cases, at least a reasonable amount of bureaucracy. Well, you know, it wasn't it wasn't my customers that were the problem. It was the 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 customers that they would integrate with. Their customers were gigantic multinational, hundreds of thousands of employees. I see. Okay. So, so you're, you've got a little guy trying to integrate with these big guys, and the big guys are making it happen, but they're not real pleasant mm. to deal mm. with. Let's say that, or they yeah. don't make it easy, right? You're, you're not your, their highest priority. Yeah. So, you know, uh, actually, I was watching a video years the other day, and it was about, I got that question, this question a lot that I heard you talk about was, well, what happens, you know, we're entrusting our business to run through the software, or what happens if you die? Or get by <laughs> yeah. that, that, I had to deal with that question quite a bit. Um, huh. So, What did you used was, to say? Um, I said, I said, the good news is I have employees, and, you know, my wife, will, I know enough people in this industry, so I'll buy it. The software won't die. You'll be good to go. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of skirted it. I would say, well, what happens when you die? I mean, what, <laughs> what are you going to do with all your your, your employees going to do? Somebody else is going to take it over, and it's going to get sold, and it's fine. Right, exactly. That's so, you around. know, you just kind of, yeah, yeah, it and, and that wasn't too much of a sticking point, but there was a couple big contracts I couldn't get because of that. I was too small. They were in the few hundred millions of dollars, and they didn't think I could service their account. Mm-hmm. appropriately yeah so i did lose some because of that but. okay okay so then so you went along like this uh it started to take off was it did you ever do anything more let's say sophisticated or automated in terms of the marketing you know was it just still cold outreach and i couldn't show these guys they they will they didn't want it they want to talk on the phone i i tried yes i tried mm-hmm. it was Crickets, just nothing. Um, okay. Did you ever spend money on like paid ads or like? Um, uh, I did a little bit, and it was just again, it was just nothing. A pit of despair, so I quit. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so old school industry phone phone calls. Phone, that was it. Yep. Yeah, and they want to. They want to. You know, they they know that they're going to use this for a while. They wanted a connection. They wanted to like make sure that you're going to be around, right? So. Okay, and so what did growth look like at that phase? Like where you felt like you you had cracked the code. Uh, you were in some sort of a routine with the cold calling and uh, I was adding a couple customers a month. Yeah. I mean, you know, or more um, Mm -hmm. sometimes one or two a week. So then we kind of started getting, it was getting a little backed up with making accounts and getting all that stuff set up because there was a little bit of trouble with that. So that's when I automated that whole process and um, you know, we were able to, to go to do that much faster. So Mm, interesting. So now, so this is the point where we're probably, I'm probably like five years in, this is probably 2018, right? So early 2018, I start getting a decent amount of calls from um, 
I had a decent amount, a few, I had a handful of people wanting to invest or like, let's take this to the next level. Let's, you know, yada, yada, yada. I was able to, I said, no, this, I'm not ready. I wanted, honestly, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is going bigger than I thought it was going to. This is kind of outgrown a lifestyle business. Um, I got to do something else. I either got to kind of stop growing and stick here, or I got to take VC money and really kind of go with this. Um, I was like, well, I'm going to grow for another year or two. And my goal at that point was I'll try to, you know, get the books in order and get everything ready to sell like 2020 ish. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Thankfully, let's see. Thankfully, I didn't do that with COVID and whatnot. But right, so let's so let's yeah, a little slower. So sure. at the point where you got your first couple of inquiries sniffing around, yep. How would you characterize just in broad strokes for the listener? Like, where were you at in that at that point in terms of like like MRR and work life balance and things like that? Like, what did it, did it feel like you were working like crazy, or were you like pretty comfortable work wise? And, you know, I don't know, you doubled MRR from the first year or like what, where were you feeling like you were at? Uh, work-life balance was bad. I was working a lot. Um, money wise, I was a couple hundred, almost a few thousand, a few hundred thousand. So, you know, money was good. Work was, was eating me alive. So yeah. now, now I run a lean shop. I, I think a lot of people probably would have added some more help at that point. Um, I'm stubborn. Yeah, you, but your expenses were really low because you weren't paying like full time yeah. salary. Yeah, I mean, or... I would have guys come in and help me with features, but but the support was all was basically me and just a couple people. Mm-hmm. So um, we were, again, we were running lean, but mm-hmm. okay. So you could have outsourced some of that craziness. You know, so it, it, it's it, yes and no. It's a, it was highly technical in an industry that a lot of people didn't want to be in, and so there weren't a lot of guys that were willing to do it. So could I have? Probably, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just. You know, it's like, do I spend the time to look for someone that messes it up for three months or do I just spend the hour and do it? Right. Okay. So uh, what happened after you started, like once people started reaching out and they were, they were investors, not buyers, right? They were, they were, one was a competitor. One was, hey, I'm going to be a competitor. I'm either going to buy you or I'm going to become your competitor. Uh, one was other bigger fish in that industry that had software that wanted to just own the software and use it right mm-hmm. kind of both yeah so it was kind of a mix of that not not no pure vcs there's there wasn't enough it's a niche industry so there wasn't really enough runway to for vcs probably pure vcs okay that's interesting though so you, you know like a competitor who was like oh this person might eat our lunch we, we want a piece of this well, Man. or were those so or were those fishing expeditions and they just wanted to see my tech. So I got that too. And I actually showed them. I I, I caught them and I knew it. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what, I'll show you anything you want to see. Cause I you can't do what I'm doing. So what's what do you want? And mm-hmm. I showed them and it didn't <laughs> it didn't didn't hurt me. So that's funny. But oh, that's great. Yeah. Um so you okay. gotta be careful of that, right? That fishing expedition stuff is a, it's a, it's real, it happens and they you know, they want your R and D and the, the the R&D wasn't what made that. Or see what they, your real numbers are, or, you know, like, uh, are, is this company actually a threat? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, well, what happened next? Tell me more. Let's see. Um, and this was 2018, you said? This is 2018. Yeah. Early 2018. Late 2017, early 2018. I, I mostly ignored it. I said, well, you know, the good is, that's when I started thinking in my head, okay, this is getting bigger than probably a lifestyle business. Yeah. I was thinking I would get it to, let's say, two two fifty a year. Yeah. And I could just, you know, I could ride that out for 10 years. I'd be, that's not bad. Right. I live mm-hmm. in St. Louis. It's, uh, it's cheap here. So, you know, 
Um, well, then started growing. I kept growing. I'm like, this is going to be bigger than I want to do as a lifestyle business. So I got people inquire, inquiring about it. I, I probably should get prepared to maybe see, see if I could get some um, funding or, or sell it off for profit right now. Mm. Personally, I'm not a big VC guy or funding guy because, you know, once somebody gives you money, then it's like, you know, they're your boss. You're doing what they want versus whatever. So I, I was really more interested in kind of wholesale, just like here, take it. And, you know, I was too passionate about it, right? As my baby, I didn't want to be in meetings and get angry about, oh, I don't want to <laughs> do that, but I had to and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So did, did, did you continue to get like how long after the, the very end of 17 into 18, did you continue to get inquiries or like, what did you? Yeah. Well, so like probably the beginning of summer, I I got one that seemed interesting and I, you know, they said, what would it take for you to sell? I said, I'm not selling this thing. There's no way. I said, the number's too high. You won't even take it. They said, humor me. I said, I'm not even going to humor you. It's not even worth my time. <laughs> and, and so I just, I said a real big number and they said, all right, cool. We'll call you next week. This never happened. These are just wasting my time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this was a company I had dealt with before. I knew them. These were um, guys I knew. So I was like, it's not going to happen. Come on. Don't yeah. waste my time. It did. You know, that so, was it. That was it. Yeah. You just like pulled a number out of thin air. Yep. I, I, yep. I just, what's a number that, so I own hundred percent of it. Right. I was like, what's a number that's going to change my life. Mm-hmm. There it is. So yeah. Did you pull it out of thin air in the moment or did you think, had you thought about this previously because of the other requests? I, you know, I mean, I had thought about like, if someone hits me, what would it take to sell? And, and I had a number I wanted, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's gotta be seven figures. It's gotta be impressive enough that I can use that. You know, it's gotta be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, in hindsight, I shouldn't have said a number. I probably should have said, let me do some research and come back to you and whatever, but. I yeah. kind of shot from the hip on that one. Worked yeah. out. Yeah. Could have not worked out, right? What was the process like though? So so they just they didn't just come back and give you a check. They must have Obviously, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we do the due diligence and, and go through all that stuff. And what um, was that like time like in terms of a time investment for Well, that's you? where I was worried. I'm like, this is gonna be this is gonna be a time sink. And you know how that goes, like maybe you do, maybe you don't, but you you get these because I had other offers on other things and there's a lot of, oh, well, we didn't know that was the case. Okay, well, we're done, right? And so I figured, you know, we'd do a bunch of, they want all your books and all your numbers and customer lists. And the problem was I wasn't ready for this, right? Like like I said, I was planning to get that kind of stuff all all packaged up and ready so that I could try to sell it. Well, I, this was before I was ready. So I'm running this company day to day and I've got to come up with all the all the financial stuff they want, all the customer lists, how many how many transactions have you done? That's a big thing in that industry. Like they want the number of transactions per day and per month and year. That's how you prove how big you are and, and yeah. your software can handle it and stuff. So I'm having to write reports that didn't exist and come up with numbers and dig through stuff. So it was a time sink. Um, in the first, I was a little scared about it. But once we hit about the end of summer, I was like, this might actually, this might actually happen. They were, I said, Hey, I'm going to give you some rough stuff. You guys look through it. If it's not, if it's not close, let's just, cut it here and not even waste any more time mm-hmm. um so and you were gonna have to do this stuff anyway it was just you're kind of under the gun in, in this scenario yeah exactly yeah it was stuff that needed to happen if i was ever gonna do this it would have had to happen i just wasn't it just wasn't you know factored into the summer the kids are wanting to go on vacation and <laughs> yeah you're doing accounting stuff yeah right running reports right. yeah okay so, you know. all right but but they continued to to yeah, it went well, like more they were, I said, they looked at the initial stuff was like, this is, this is in the ballpark of what we want. We're, we're happy with this. Let's, 
take the next step. We think this is valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so we did that and then I got my letter of intent and filled out even more stuff and, you know, more financial, this and that. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So by the, we ended up closing, um, late 2018. I mean, like, right, just right at the end of the year, right before Mm -hmm. the end of the year. So Mm -hmm. cool. And did you have like, I mean, I'm assuming there were lawyers involved in stuff and you had, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, And so, uh, what we did was I got like, uh, I did a 50, 30, 20. So 50 up front, 36 months later, and then 20 at the end of the year. So like a year, kind of a year. Uh, the end of 19. Yeah, the end of 19. So it was like a, a one year kind of a payout, right? Okay. And were you and, were you supposed to be involved? Like how involved did you need to be during 2019? Well, so they, that year they wanted me pretty involved. And so we also signed a kind of a, it's almost like a monthly stipend kind of thing. So this is where I did really well. I made... I, I priced this not hourly. I said, I don't want to do an hourly thing. If we're going to do it, you know, we'll do monthly. And it's, it wasn't tied to really any output. It was just, I'm available. Here's how much it is. Go. Um, so I was paid that as well throughout that year as well. So. Gotcha. Um, wow. So you get, so that was separate from the actual sale price. Yeah, that was, that was, Hey, during this year, you're going to be available to help us add features, integrate it, do any of the stuff we need to do, learn about it. All the, all the stuff that comes with integrating complicated software into a complicated business. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like roughly, roughly how big were they in terms of headcount? Is this like a 10 person company? Oh no, they're, company? they were hundreds, uh, yeah. 500 plus probably at that point. Okay. And was this meant to be like an, an additional service offering for them or they were going to replace their offering with this? They, they wanted to use the software, um, but they didn't want one of their competitors owning it or whatever. They want to make sure like, we're going to use this. This is ours. And then, yeah, they're going to, they're going to wrap, wrap it into an, give it as another service too. So they're, you know, the nice is it's making money, it's paying for itself. So they're buying a thing that's profitable day one. Um, and, and then they're able to use it as a customer for basically free yeah. uh, for their own stuff. And then they're able to, you know, graph stuff onto it and, and sell it as a bigger package. Later okay. On. So like normally when somebody sells a business like this, and then it would be like, well, what happened to your employees, but you didn't have any, like, but what, what happened to your customers? Like, did they want to keep all the, Oh, they were pissed. Oh no, they were mad. Yeah. 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 Kept all of them. But it took some flights. It took some cajoling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they were like, oh, they're a huge repetitor. We hate this. We liked it because I was I was uh, kind of independent from all that stuff, right? So it was like, so the good thing is when I designed the software, I designed it in such a way that all the data was completely separate in separate databases. So because I knew everybody per, in this industry h- hates this and uh, they don't want somebody to get their data. So I, I made that choice up front, which was great. If I hadn't done that, I don't think I'd have been able to sell it because it would have been too... Or I would have sold it, and they would have lost all the customers immediately, right? So, yeah. So you, as the uh, uh, when you owned it, you didn't have access to your customers' data. I did. Yeah. I did, but no one else did. Customer A was in a separate, a physical separate database from customer B. Were they on prem at the customer, or you just maintained separate? No, it was just at Amazon. I just did them separately at Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, then, eventually, I started. So that's so that's why it took a little bit to set some of those up, and then. You know, about halfway through that, I said, okay, well, we're going actual just multi-tenancy. And so mm-hmm. I kind of have like, that was the enterprise plan. If, hey, if you can't stand your data being with someone else's database, boom, pay me the big money, we'll go enterprise. Otherwise, you can use this. You'll have a separate multi-tenanted database. So your own database, shared hardware, but yeah. still isolated, right? The data is not touching each other. <laughs> so um, that was good enough for those people that wanted to use the good software, but not pay the enterprise fees at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but right. no. When I sold it, it was a thing. It was I said, listen, when you guys buy this, you're going to lose thirty percent of these customers day one, just like that. You have to know it. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah. again, we actually but they knew that because they knew because they were, they were in the industry. They weren't just some like outsider. Right, right. They were a competitor. All these people. They were just mm -hmm. the bigger one. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so that was yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but that you, but you flew around, you unruffled all the feathers to the extent, at least enough to keep them. I thought, I thought, okay, well, we'll keep them for six months until they can get, get all their stuff ready and leave. You know, that was what, 2018, they're all still around. So yeah, no one's quit talk, yet. Yeah. Well, you were, you were right about that lock-in. <laughs> no, exactly. It's, it, yeah, they just, the changing, switching costs is so high. Mm -hmm. that, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so that was at the end of 2019. So basically, and then like, boom, 2020 is like the year from Mars. Right. I had delusions of grandeur. I was going to do all kinds of cool stuff and then COVID and whatever. So, you know, when we did the, when we did that additional stipend, monthly stipend mm. after the year, it just went to month to month. And I said, well, I'm still cool hanging around. If you guys are so cool having me kind of run this, they're like, mm -hmm. yep. So <laughs> I'm like, well, it's you know, COVID. I'm locked in my basement anyways. What the hell am I going to do this? So, <laughs> I mean, that wasn't ideal necessarily, but it's worked out well. They're happy. I'm happy. Like, they're still, they trust me. I'm I, I'm running it responsibly and doing everything to be done. So it's it's good for both of us still. So mm, Interesting. Yeah. And you're still doing that now? I am. Yep. I, I am in the process of launching a couple new platforms and doing some other stuff. But I still, I mean, that's my quote unquote day job is, is running that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, so... I mean, you know, to be continued, I suppose. But I, I really was excited when you emailed me um, to kind of come on and talk through this stuff because I don't, uh, I, I am not in general. Well, let me put it like this: a lot of software developers are on my list and listen to this podcast. And it's probably about you know maybe a little more than fifty percent, and lots of them immediately when they think, "Oh, hourly billing is nuts," I'm going to start a SaaS and get some of that sweet MRR. Yeah. And, and, but you know, they're technical, they're engineering mindset and, and like you are not planning on doing a stitch of marketing and it, it right. worked out for you. I, I, in my opinion, well, you tell me, why do you think it worked out for you that you were able to like get any kind of word of mouth, any kind of, um, any, any kind of sales with zero marketing? Initially, because the product was so much better and so much cheaper, they had to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Right, like, and I would add that you were in a really, really small industry that had correct, a lot very of, niche. Everyone knows everyone. Like, there's no secrets. So tons correct. of word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, right. That helps a lot too. So if you're going to try to do that, you got to go niche. If you're trying to, you know, fish in the ocean like that, that's going to be bad news bears. Yeah, um, like oh, I've got the I've got a 10x better to do list application. Right. It's like, good luck. The other thing is, I am better at sales than I think I am. When I so saw this, I'm not a sales guy, right? But a product that I'm passionate about and I know a whole bunch about, I can sell the hell out of. We'll say so that. you had a ton of industry specific knowledge. You knew all the players. So when somebody... I didn't know them initially, I knew some of them, but I got to know them pretty quickly. And yeah, and then I just I really leaned into it and that helped mm -hmm. a bunch, too. So, OK, um, yeah. So that so that and that is the other I think that's another big takeaway here is that you got a a client in the space who wanted what you were offering to fund the development, at least in, maybe not a hundred percent, but enough so that you could afford to do it. Yep. So you, you kind of had customer one out of the gate and you knew that, so they're like, they're your like guinea pig, your market research guinea pig. You're not just sitting in your basement imagining that somebody- Pulling features out saying, I think this will be good. I think this will be good. Yeah, Absolutely. this is going to be so sexy, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that key, that first customer, that was key. And that I did that well. And I'm going to repeat that with some of my new platforms. I've already got people lined up and I'm trying to pick the right one. But mm -hmm. picking that first key customer, I think is crucial. And that can be, like you said, that can, 
because you're not just, Hey, I think this will be useful because every feature I've ever, most of the features I've done that I say, Hey, they'll really love this without any market research or anything. They just don't care about, right? They're, yeah. It doesn't matter to them. They're trying to run their business. They need it to do X, Y, Z. Um, if they could do it with an Excel spreadsheet, they gladly would, yep. uh, <laughs> they can't, mm-hmm. uh, but they'd love to. So yeah. Um, no, I, totally I would say to, to your audience, if you're going to do this, it's it's possible. Get a first customer, get them involved early and pick the right one and make sure you use them as your, you know, product fit, market fit kind of, uh, does this work? Is this going to be good? They're going to want a bunch of custom stuff. You have to be able to pump the brakes and say like, so the way I, I did it before I sold it was I would tell people, hey, if you have a good idea, I, I want all your feedback. Give me your feedback. I'll take all the ideas. If I think it's useful for someone else, I can sell it. I'll do it for free. And mm-hmm. I'll own it and, and it'll make the software better, good for everybody. Mm-hmm. That was a great choice. I got all kinds of good feedback. Um, I didn't use a lot of it, but the stuff I did really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I told them, hey, if you want to do something super custom to you, I'll do it, but you're going to foot all the development. And if somebody wanted something, I would just make up a number super high. And they'd say, you know what, let's just let's just do it your way. <laughs> yeah. And we would just do it my way and, and I didn't have to do any custom stuff. So I said that and I never really did a huge custom addition to it because I just you know, yeah, just, well, that feature is going to be $40,000. Well, I'm not yeah, there's no leverage that. there. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's just cash. Or you can let me do it for free if we just do it my way. Okay, fine. Your way's fine. <laughs> It'd be good. Right. So, yeah. Okay. And you did make, I mean, I think the, the multi-tenant database thing, that's a, a, a reasonable concession. It's a good example of something that some people would really value and not just one customer. So that that's a good example. Yeah. Initially I had, I, I just, you know, it was kind of, Multi-tenancy existed, but it was a little rough. Amazon RDS and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was when I did that. That's I, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have been able to scale it, right? So mm-hmm. you know, there was like if you if that's really because that's the first thing they say. Well, I don't want my data super special. I can't have it with anybody else's. I'm like, cool, that absolutely exists. Here's the price, and they no way. Cool, well, <laughs> just go over here then. All right, okay, <laughs> absolutely has to be like this. All right, it's going to be a million bucks. Actually, we're flexible. You know what? The cheaper one's fine. Yeah, awesome. exactly. Yeah. The Honda Civic, I don't need the Porsche. The Honda Civic will get me exactly where I need to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Give people options and they can pick whatever fits them. Yeah, yep. Cool. Okay, so I, I think probably um, people will have, I think this is a great case study to go through for like someone who um, was super anti-hourly billing, saw that it was just a trap and went out to do some other things, got creative about putting together a SaaS uh did all the, you know, you know, thought about the risks, had other options, how, you know, you had a safety net. So you decided to go all in. You didn't want to regret not doing it. There were some surprises along the way. Didn't do any marketing. It was very slow word of mouth, got to six figures. Then, you know, all it started to pick up and then you start to generate interest from competitors who maybe want to buy it. So it's like very, I think it's, um, it's not an unheard of path like it's not the first time i've heard a story kind of like this but i I do just want to emphasize to people listening that that if i was going to pick one thing that was the most important thing in this whole story it's that having that first customer yep i i concur yeah there are i I tell you if you'd had the the second most important thing is if you had taken funding anywhere along the way you wouldn't have been able to do what i did because Mm -hmm. You, you, the trajectory of the company would have changed. You wouldn't have been, you know, you start getting a couple founders and a VC involved. If you do, if you sell anything less than a million or a hundred million, it's, it's a miss, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keeping ownership of that, I was able to take a much smaller exit that changed my life. It, mm-hmm. But if I had two or three founders and a VC, it wouldn't, they, we wouldn't even accept it. It wouldn't even been on the table. Right. Yeah. So that was big. Um, and you know, nowadays there's this, there's a couple platforms. I, I think one of them is called micro acquire. I've looked at it. 
I have no allegiance to any of them. There's a few of them where you can, you know, kind of, if you, if you did what I did, but you didn't want to market it and you didn't really want to grow it anymore, you could sell that platform. So, I mean, some of them go for 50 grand, right? So. Oh, more than, yeah, like Flippa and FEI. Yeah, exactly. Right. So mm-hmm. if you get something, you get going, you get a few customers. I mean, that's, I looked at it this way. Every line of code I wrote that I, I owned, that's equity. That's an asset that I, it's a brick I'm putting on this building. It's worth something, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. And, you know, eventually somebody will want it probably like it's if you write quality software or if you have a bunch of customers or ideally the bowl, the mix of them, you'll do pretty well. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, you got to kind of choose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Uh, where can people go to find out more? Maybe if they have a follow-up question, are you on Twitter or something like that? You know, I run pretty low profile, honestly. Uh, if you go to my website, uh, backupparachute.com, there's contact information there. I'm on LinkedIn. That's really the only social media network I I mess with, um, haven't updated my profile in a while, but I, I read it and I, uh, you know, I take new links and stuff. So new, new connect requests. Cool. Well, thanks a million for coming on and sharing your story, Kyle. Yep. It was nice meeting you, Jonathan. That's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time for Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. The next time someone asks you for your hourly rate, I want you to stop what you're doing and go over to valuepricingbootcamp.com to sign up for my free value pricing email course. That URL again is valuepricingbootcamp.com. Hope to see you there. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.